1: this one's because of you.
0: Of the In Between Podcast, where you'll discover ideas to build a strong, connected, and joy-filled marriage and family. My name is Daniel M.
1: And I'm Christina M.
0: This episode is for me.
1: Yeah, and for me too. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, this podcast episode is because of you. We polled our audience on social media. If you're not following us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, we are at in-between show. That's I am in between show. And we asked y'all, what are some things that you feel like isn't talked about enough? And a resounding, resounding number of y'all said, you know what? As a parent of a special needs child, I really don't feel like there's anything out there to encourage us. There's a lot of do's and don'ts. And there's a lot of things that make us almost feel guilty that we're not doing enough or maybe we're doing too much or we're, we're, you know, helicoptering our kids. And so y'all really wanted something to specifically address what you're going through.
0: So we have an incredible interview for you. We interviewed Jamie Sumner, who has written for the New York Times and the Washington Post, among many other publications. She is the author of the nonfiction book on motherhood, Unbound, the middle grade novel Roll With It, and recently came out with a brand new book called Eat, Sleep, and Save the World. She's a mom to a son with cerebral palsy, and she writes and speaks about disability in literature. So this is going to be incredibly encouraging if you are a parent of a special needs child.
1: And even if you do not have a special needs child yourself, uh, perhaps you know a special needs family or somebody in your child's classroom. And above all else, she really addresses every parent. And this episode will really encourage anyone who listens.
0: All right. Well, let's listen in.
1: Jamie, I am so, we are so excited to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us from cold Nashville today.
0: <laughs> and warm Edmonton from us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually
1: did check the weather at this point. Edmonton, Canada, which is usually the coldest place on the earth, is warmer than Nashville. So a I warm welcome to you, tell- I guess.
2: <laughs> I was not going to tell listeners what the degree was, the temperature that I told you, because I was going to get embarrassed yeah. when I said it. Oh, <laughs> it's
1: okay most <laughs> of our listeners already know that the schools shut down when there's even a threat of snow in nashville versus so, yeah. uh the schools actually never shut down never. in edmonton never. like that is in
2: their policy no matter <laughs> like, how cold, there is no such thing as a snow day there like, no there is the no calendar. no well
0: then yeah. then snow would be shut down for six months
2: yeah exactly The school. no The kids
1: actually asked their principal. They're like, we heard there's going to be like 10 inches of snow tomorrow. Is anything going to (laughs) happen? And the principal was like, no, wear your snow pants. (laughs) They're like. Okay. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, so, and
0: bread, milk, and eggs never get sold out when it snows that's up here. True.
1: So. Yeah, I mean, we lived in Nashville for five years. I still don't understand that. So, yeah. but you were born in Nashville, so can you explain to us why they have the bread, milk, and eggs? Like, what is that about?
2: The answer is I cannot explain it. <laughs> and you know what's funny? You were just saying that, and I was thinking. Now that we have Amazon Prime and same-day delivery, Mm. do you think that even happens? Do you think people are just like, "Mm, I'm going to add it to my cart?
0: (laughs) Interesting. Let the
2: Amazon drivers be brave in the snow.
0: Oh, that's true.
2: I have no idea. That'd be really interesting to look.
0: I just thought that there's this Southern obsession with French toast. That's all. Stop so. it.
2: <laughs> right. That's you know true. what's funny about that? I did make my kids French toast this weekend because it was extra cold. So maybe it's a thing. <laughs> exactly.
1: Yeah. yeah somewhere maybe down the true. line, marketing was like, you know, if we could just sell them the staples. Oh, it's
0: crazy how, yeah, deceptive it can be. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, that's, not the, that's not the topic <laughs> yeah, of this yeah, podcast. We're,
2: yeah. You we're not talking talk about, about that. conspiracy, conspiracy and theories. And no.
1: Snow and. <laughs>
2: general fear of the
1: weather. Yeah, (laughs) Another time, Jamie, another time. That's the title
0: of your next book. Yeah, Yeah, that's it.
1: Exactly.
2: Not right there.
1: Right, yeah. But you did, Jamie, you did write the most amazing book called Eat, Sleep, Save the World. Um, What did that mean? Like, I read the title and I saw the picture for those who haven't seen the picture yet. Oh, I love the cover. It's um, a cereal bowl. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, with a little smiley face in it. So uh, what inspired you to,
2: to write this book? well first of all it's so funny the title I guess it's my personality in a title because it's like when you're parenting any kid not just a special needs kid everything feels necessary and vital and then also things feel so silly at the same time right like it's you find yourself being ridiculous like I've resung the words to Elmo songs you know i we've revamped every lyric to blippy theme music I mean, so the title is partly like, you know, you got to eat, you got to sleep. Oh, yeah. And save the world because it mm. feels like that. It feels like you're getting in all these necessary vital things and imparting vast amounts of wisdom or say so you hope to your children. But then also, like, we're we're just getting through the day and, like, don't stick your finger in your nose. And, <laughs> right. oh, yeah, then don't wipe it there. You know, it's just it's just all of that combined. But um. The story, or the impetus for the book itself was, of course, um, I'm a mom to my son, Charlie, who is about to turn eight, um, was born at 30 weeks, very early, very scary birth. um, And he has a rare syndrome called Beckwith-Wiedemann syndrome, which led to a lot of things led to a tracheotomy and a g tube and and a really intense first couple of years and mm. and a later diagnosis of cerebral palsy and so as a parent to a kid with special needs um when i was first those first years like when it was really really hard in a scary way and mm-hmm. very intense um i wanted books that would Help me, you know that would make me feel comforted and make me feel not so scared and alone. Um, and there just wasn't anything, um, especially mm-hmm. faith ba- faith based, but also just the general parenting section. It's like they they all felt like how to books, right? And first of all. Nobody could tell me exactly how to parent Charlie because there was so much going on. And that's true of any kid. That No book can tell you exactly how to parent them. Mm -hmm. But also, like, that's not what I wanted. Like, I didn't want an instruction manual for him. I just wanted some some comfort and some encouragement. And there wasn't really Mm -hmm. anything. And so when Charlie got a little bit older and I had a little bit more perspective and hindsight and distance from those early years, I just really wanted to create that book I didn't have.
0: Hmm. That's so good. I love the, I love the heart um, and the vision behind that, because I know how, how much, <laughs> you know, how much blood, sweat and tears goes into writing. Right. And exactly. the process of, all, and yes. I mean, it's just like, I, I remember talking to this one um, individual, oh, actually it was, it was reflecting on Gary, Gary Chapman, five love languages. And I mean, the guy still, oh, yeah. still is still traveling, speaking about the book. And, um, I this friend was like, okay, but you know, when you write, you need to like, you need to be okay. You need to be okay with speaking about this for at least the next next ten years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Are you that passionate uh, yeah. about this subject? And I can I can hear that coming through, uh, coming through your your words, Jamie.
1: Right, and I have worked um, with special needs families for quite a long time, and the same thing. It was just like they continue to ask me like, what is out there (laughs) that Mm -hmm. um, is not going to send me down a rabbit hole of I need to continue to research um, what this means for, you know, my son or my daughter as they get older and what kind of supports and um, will they need and will they be able to be married and like all of that. They're like, we just need the the here and now, like what is here to be able to encourage us just to take the next step and just to even um, tell us that we're okay. That we're okay to be scared we're okay to have questions it's okay to not know what to do um, but also to point us to hope and Jamie I think that your book um, has done that just so wonderfully and beautifully that you point us to the hope of Christ and also that you weave in biblical stories um, which we'll talk about a little bit more later but I just thought it was so amazing to see the Bible through the lens of of you as a special needs parent so this is just an amazing Amazing resource, everyone. I know we're going to attach the book to our show notes so you can uh, take a look at it. And um, if you know somebody who has a special needs child or even yourself, this is something that you're just going to want on your nightstand, on your uh, coffee table, just to be able to, you know, when you're having a a hard time, (laughs) you just need to, maybe you need to take a little breather. Mm -hmm. Maybe take that one into the closet or into the bathroom and with maybe like even a a chocolate or something like that and be like, I'm just going to read a little bit. (laughs)
2: It's like just turn to take off the turn off the social notifications yes, on your phone and just exactly. kind of creep away somewhere. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah, that's perfect.
0: That's good. That's good. Now, Jamie, you're, you mentioned that your son now, uh, Charlie, he's eight. So uh, we're curious, what 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 was your daily life like when he was younger, as opposed to now?
2: Oh my goodness, it is night and day. If you had asked me to predict. And again, this is why looking into the future, like and trying to guess, never works. Because (laughs) I would have been so wrong. So Charlie, so he was born at thirty weeks, and he did not come home from the NICU for almost twelve weeks. Oh wow, Um, that's a long time. I lived in the NICU, Um, and and that was because part of the syndrome, the Beckwith-Wiedemann syndrome, is that he was born with an he was born with an enlarged tongue, and we just could not. Get him to breathe. We couldn't get him to breathe safely. You know, he would start to kind of learn to breathe around his tongue, and then he would have a growth spurt in the NICU, and then he couldn't breathe anymore. And it it was so scary because we literally we did not know what to do. Um, And finally, at around ten weeks in the NICU, our we our beloved ENT who we fell in love with um, recommended getting a trach, and of course that's terrifying too because I'm. Voluntarily putting a hole in my son's throat and hoping that this will solve the problem. Mm -hmm. Um, And I still remember sitting in his hospital room in a little, in the little nursing chair, because I would come in there and nurse and pump um, and practicing on this rubber doll, inserting and removing this trach. And I'm like, wow, I could barely do it on the doll. My hands were shaking because just the thought of doing it on Charlie. Um, and so ultimately through a lot of prayer and terror, we trusted him and, and we felt like if we want to bring our son home, this is what we need to do. Mm -hmm. Um, and we did, and it was the right decision. He began, he could breathe through the trach and, um, I quickly became an expert at operating it. It came, he came home with the trach and then later a G tube so he could eat, Okay. Um, a little tube in his belly. Um, but, I mean, I would carry <laughs> – I still have this. So it's a backpack that had it has a pump in it hmm. and a hose that snakes out from the top. And you flip a switch on it just mm-hmm. like a lawnmower and it turns on and it suctions like a vacuum. And I would have to suction the phlegm and gunk and all this gross stuff – sorry, listeners, if you're eating breakfast <laughs> – um, out, out of the trach. Because he can't cough it up, because you can't cough anything up past the oh, tray. Yeah, and so okay. it would be like three, four, eight, fifteen times an hour that I would have to do this with him. And but it sounded like a lawnmower, and it looked ridiculous. And so mm-hmm. everywhere we went, we were loud, and it was very obvious. I mean, ob- it was very obvious that that we were not living, leading the normal life. Um, mm-hmm. And so we had all of that. And then he slept with an oxygen and heart rate monitor on his foot, so it would alarm um, at certain levels. And that, and he also <laughs> was prone to seizures in those first two years of life um, wow. when he got a fever. Now, again, we didn't know it was just when he got a fever, and so we ended up we had a neurologist and we started it on medicine after several emergency room visits mm-hmm. where they couldn't figure out why he was having these, and it so. Those first few years were terrifying. I mean, I was living right. not just day to day, but like second to second because I mm. never – is this monitor going to beep? Is his feeding pump going to stop working? Mm-hmm. Is the suction machine one time stopped working? Mm. Which was truly s- s- terrifying because if right. I can't clear his throat, there's – what do I do? Yeah. Um, and so it was like kind of like living on the verge of panic. Um. Which is not a healthy place to be um, emotionally, physically, spiritually, mentally, mm-hmm. all of it was hard. Um, right. And because we didn't know if he would grow out of any of that. Um, yeah. But luckily, as he got older, he had tongue reduction surgery at seven months old. And that finally allowed him to breathe safely. Through his mouth, and again, that was another mm. giant leap of trust. Like, is this actually going to work, right? Or are we just putting him through a surgery that's not going to work? Luckily, it did, and and he was able to eat better and got got the trach out and he got the G tube out, and so he was back to all the the normal <laughs> body parts and holes that you're supposed to have instead of all these extra Extras, things. Yeah, and we, you know, and so we started to normalize a little bit, but then in other ways. Not, because he was diagnosed with cerebral palsy at age one. Mm. Um, He got his first wheelchair around four. Mm -hmm. And we thought when he got the trach out that he would learn to speak at, like, delayed but still be able to do that. But we, we found out that part of the CP is that he's also mostly nonverbal. So that was one of those mysteries that we found out later. Um, And so he's now learning to use a speaking device, which if you've ever seen the show Speechless, it's kind of like that. It looks like an iPad, but it's actually a touchscreen, which this is exciting. So you're asking me about life now just this week. His speech therapist at school messaged me and said they're ready to go up on his vocabulary because he knows everything. Oh,
0: Charlie.
2: Oh, that's I wonderful. Know. So that's there phenomenal. Are, you know, milestones happen in their own fashion. And right. it's actually kind of amazing because I get to be excited and surprised about it um, when they do. But but so to answer the question as to life now. It's a lot less scary. I feel a lot Mm. more confident as a parent. Um, It's physically harder because he's now over 50 pounds and, you know, he can't walk. So I lifting him in and out of the van or his wheelchair or the bathtub like we had we built. We turned our dining room actually into his bedroom last year because he Mm -hmm. was – it was too scary to try to carry him up the stairs. Yeah, that would be – Yeah, so there's different challenges now, Mm -hmm. but I'm not scared, which (gasps) – I can handle anything if I'm not so fearful. That's right. Yeah, very, very true.
1: So, um, because we're a marriage and family podcast, I'm wondering, Jamie, as you're looking through now versus, like, let's say even in the NICU, how did you and your husband continue to be able to stay connected? Mm -hmm. Um, Especially when you're just kind of living in fear, or even just traveling back and forth to the hospital. I mean, my son was, our son was in the hospital for three days, which is nothing compared to weeks on weeks in the hospital um so even that is super tiring like how how was there anything that you and your husband decided to do to to just even um work on your marriage or even just be able to to stay connected that way
2: okay so before i answer that i'll say this about what you just said so your son was in the hospital 3 days and you preface it with saying that's nothing like what we went through but mm-hmm. but but the thing that i always want to tell people is it's it's all about your own experience. Like hmm. that three days to you felt like what our weeks in the NICU and all the surgeries felt like to us, because that is what you saw your child go through. So it is just as valid and just as intense a feeling. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I always want to tell parents of kids who are you know neurotypical that are friends of ours or that ha- are Charlie's classmates. I'm like, please don't feel that like we are these warrior parents this is just what we went through charlie Mm -hmm. was our first we had nothing to Mm -hmm. compare it to like this was our this was our normal and this is our normal so what Mm -hmm. it feels like for us probably is the same as it feels like for you it just looks different on the outside um Mm -hmm. but thank you for that that validation Mm -hmm. yes absolutely like it's everybody's parenting experience you feel that so deeply and you take right. that with you through every day and it's you know it's hard and it's scary and something and things are amazing too and you feel all of that but um so Jody and I you know it's actually really funny in those early years i think it was when you're living in that crisis mode mm-hmm. it's almost easier to cling to each other like we didn't really have to work on our relationship because we were each other's lifelines mm. and we had to pray over charlie so much like you know they you know you you feel closer to god when life is hard right mm. and you're more willing to be vulnerable when all of life feels vulnerable because you don't have any armor to put on you don't have any mm-hmm. shield to put up you know and i would say now is actually harder to find those moments of connection and have actual conversations that aren't about the children. Um, and remember, I mean, we're we're going on, oh, see, this is bad. I just forgot. We're going on 13 years. <laughs> yeah. Okay, oh, congratulations. I, can, I literally That's can't remember. Yeah. 12 <laughs> or 13. <laughs> yeah. 13 years of marriage. And, mm. and it's like um, now is when we have to be more intentional about our time together. Like we just had that conversation yesterday morning. Um, He had Jody had gotten like an invitation on LinkedIn to like someone was interested in recruiting him for a job and you know he likes his job but because of what he does there's all these opportunities out there and so we started talking about it and I started to get stressed out because it was like the potential to work from home and I'm like oh my gosh would we just kill each other if we <laughs> both were home yeah. like and you know yes. you know what i mean and and he's like I was just he's like i just wanted to talk it out loud it doesn't mean i'm taking it i'm like i know and you know it was this whole big conversation and yes. thin, yep. you know it's just you have to stop and have more conversations so everyone doesn't feel so <laughs> so big and heavy. Um, right. That's true. But yeah. That was there's no advice in there other than just <laughs> we are trying to be yeah. more intentional about having time for us, even though it is hard to find a babysitter who can take care of all three of our children with all their different, you know, needs and desires right. and everything else. Um, but it's it's necessary. It's just as necessary as anything else is. Mm-hmm.
0: The wait is over. Young readers will love the nutty misadventures of 10-year-old Michael and his friends and will learn all about biblical life lessons such as forgiveness and friendship. Read all 12 Dead Sea Squirrels books, available wherever books are sold.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Well, Jamie. Speaking of three children, because <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> yeah. we went from Charlie to all of a sudden three. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, tell us about that. So, um, I read in your book that you have twins. And yeah, um, how, what's the age difference between Charlie and the twins? Then,
2: so they are a little more than two years apart. Charlie okay. turned okay. two in March, and then they were born. At the beginning of June. Uh, So they they are five and Charlie is seven and about to turn eight. Yeah. You know, you were like, so we just you just we just went from Charlie to now you're a mother of three. That's literally how I felt. Like (laughs) when we so they were born early too. They were born at thirty weeks. Same as Charlie. Okay. I also, fun fact, Hmm. was born at thirty weeks. So apparently this is something my mother should have like prepped me for. (laughs) But come on mom yeah i mean <laughs> you're all excited to come um, into the world <laughs> yeah <laughs> right right um but they it was a totally different game from the beginning with them because it was not as scary a delivery um my water had broken and i had already been in the hospital kind of on steroids and on whatever they needed for a, a little over 24 or 48 hours
0: okay yeah, for Before I went into labor.
2: So mm-hmm, unlike okay. with Charlie, where I showed up at the hospital and had him forty five minutes later. <gasps> oh wow. Did oh. not even know that I was in labor. Oh my with Charlie. Thought it was just back spasms. So right. that was great. Um, but so for the twins, I had a little more time and it didn't feel as scary. And then when they were born, they didn't. They just needed to get bigger. Like, they just needed to grow. Okay.
1: Okay. So even
2: though they were in the NICU, they were there less time, and then they came home. And so we were less worried about their safety, which, like I said before, that was the huge deal. Like, Mm -hmm. so, but going from Charlie to then a mother of three, and, you know, they were little, and they had to eat eight times a day times two people, and then they got a little bit bigger, and I had three children who were not mobile like it became mm. I really don't remember the first 2 years of their lives <laughs> yeah, very well because survival right yeah. it was somebody needed something constantly um which is parenting anyway but it, but but it was literally like no one could get it for themselves if I mm-hmm. didn't do it so it was a really hard adjustment it was actually harder than just bringing charlie home even though that was scary because I just felt like I was having to lo- I was having to parent in a different way hmm. because I had learned how to parent one way but then these children need different things. Different, and again, right? I'll say I, I think any parent the longer they get into it with their kids understand that I have to parent this child differently than this child. Mm-hmm. But it was just very apparent early on. Um we're in a really sweet place now. Because the twins are old enough, you know, they're in kindergarten and Charlie's in first grade. Right. And they're old enough that they help him. They, mm. they their hearts oh, are growing towards wonderful. him. Oh. And you know, mommy, can I pick a video for Charlie on the TV? Oh, I or, love that. Charlie dropped his book and I think Charlie wants this snack, you know, or whatever. <laughs> oh. Sometimes they say that, and it's they want the uh, (laughs) snacks. Kids are smart, right? They're they're not they they've been around the block, but um, but they're they're actually learning how to help. And Charlie loves them so much. I mean, Mm -hmm. he he is he of all my kids, he is my most loving, big big hearted, joyful child. Like he. Oh, he has the be best smile too. Oh my yes. goodness! Oh Seeing his God. pictures,
1: I was like, "You, you just light up a room, Charlie. You really do."
2: <laughs> I, is, and everybody who meets him says that. Mm. And and I think that is just such. I mean, that is straight from God. And mm-hmm. and I just like that's one of those things where I just step back as a parent, and I I just say I had nothing to do with this. This is how you were created, and I am so glad. And and so. The twins gravitate towards him just like his friends do. And in that way, because I worried about this when he started school. I don't think that he's going to be ignored. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, because he's nonverbal. You know, I really worried about that. right. But I, right. at least you never know. I mean, middle school, I'll tell you, middle school is like a gamble. But – because nobody's not, I mean, nobody is yeah, their self in middle exactly. school. Exactly. It's, it's a whole different ballgame for everybody. Yeah. Right.
1: Mm-hmm. It's like the Twilight Zone for three years, and then you kind of come <laughs> out
2: of so it yeah, and like, oh, whoa.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to lie, Jamie. I've considered homeschooling the kids during middle <laughs> school. I'm like, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, we'll see.
2: Uh, well, good for you. I'm. I might just take a sabbatical. A <laughs> that's before. right. Yeah,
1: yeah. We'll just a all whatever.
2: move to Hawaii or something. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's so funny oh. you said that. Jody was just researching like special needs trips to Hawaii because it's apparently a very like special needs friendly place.
0: Oh, so really? Okay. Good
1: to
2: know? Okay. Yeah. yeah all
1: okay. of a sudden, all the Google like searches. Oh, yes. Hawaii. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs>
2: yeah. Hawaii.
0: Wheelchair friendly. That's right. Well, Jamie, there are so many amazing stories and truths that you wrote in your book. Um, And for the next part of the interview, we'd love to just highlight a few quotes that you wrote and ask you to give some color commentary on it. So so here's the first one. Fear of the unknown is a key player in the special needs game and perhaps the most seductive. There's just so much unknown, it hovers like a distant tidal wave in the ocean, and we watch with our toes in the sand, waiting to see if it'll come crashing down. But what would it look like if we buried that fear in so much trust that it rises again as bravery? Because if, or when, or greatest, uh, our greatest fear is realized, we cannot let it sink us.
1: I told you, podcast family, you got to get this look. It's so good. Yeah. (laughs) So, Jamie, how do you how do you bury that fear in trust? Like, what does that practically look like? We always talk in our podcast. Give us the nitty gritty. I love like we all love the theories and all that. But what does that actually look like when you are faced with paralyzing fear? What does it look like to bury that fear in trust?
2: Okay, so generalities don't ever work here. It's like you can't pick your word of the year and just fall back on that when you're right. in these moments like that's not mm-hmm. gonna work um so the thing the thing for me, like the biggest thing is and again, I can uh it's easier because i've you know I'm approaching my forties and I feel like I've lived quite a lot of bumpy paths uh you know to get to this place um but for me, it's looking back and remembering the times where I felt exactly this way, and then seeing how it panned out. Because always, inevitably, God stepped in and took care of it. He took Hmm. care of that fear. Either the fear was not realized, and it was all in my head, or it was realized, but we survived. And not only that, we are stronger. Like I'm a stronger person for it. So when I feel like that, I remember like I remember the fear of realizing that I was about to go into labor with Charlie and wondering if he was gonna survive it and I, mean. I, I i or I was it was a scary it was a scary for me too um scary labor and he not only brought us both through i mean I look at Charlie and he's the most amazing person I've ever met and I remember the sharpness of that fear and that cold clammy just panic and and this is how it is on the other side and I think for me that's how I get through those moments is remembering that there will be another side like this is mm. not the feeling of eternity this is the feeling of this moment
1: right yeah. Yeah. So, do you feel like it helped to really just acknowledge the fear? Then, like naming it, like, yes. "Oh, this oh is my fear. God. <laughs> this is how I'm feeling."
2: <laughs> I don't. I cannot tell you how many times I've turned to Jody and say, "I am freaking out. Hmm. I am just freaking out. I know that it is an it is irrational. Please don't point out the ways it is irrational, but just let me freak out because I've got to get through this." Right. <laughs> and I'll come out the other side but you need to know that this is what's happening right now with me and and I think acknowledging it gives it less power um completely because it's an emotion just like any other emotion
0: yeah yeah, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Let's let's move on to the next quote. Um, and this is from page 65. Sometimes advocating as a parent involves silence and distance to encourage independence. And other times it involves stepping in to make change happen for the better. It takes a lot of prayer and stillness to discern what times call uh, for what measure.
1: Oh, I love that so much because um, yeah, advocating looks different right sometimes we need mm-hmm. to speak louder and sometimes we need to not <laughs> and choose yeah. our words wisely um can you share with us and our podcast family a time that you remember when you really wanted to step in maybe all of you whether it was fear or uh, you know just something rise in you you know sometimes you have that like righteous anger you just want to boil out and say something but then really felt the holy spirit say jamie mm, just stop stop don't do it don't say anything
2: yeah oh there's so many times i mean (laughs) i mean um so when because charlie is limited verbally and people see us out in the at the park or um in the grocery store or wherever we are target whatever and especially little kids because i love it because they're not shy about coming up and like approaching us which you know I love that so much. I would so much rather it be that than like be polite, I guess, and ignore us. Like I think Mm -hmm. that's the instinct that parents, grownups have is this Mm -hmm. politeness instinct um, when nobody wants to feel unseen. And so we love it when kids run up to us and like, hey, let them be rude. I would much rather them like just be up in our face and ask me questions than pretend like we're not even here. So anyway, so a lot of times – Kids will run up and they'll start to ask Charlie something, but if he's too slow to answer, they immediately turn to me. Why is he in a wheelchair? Why can't he talk? Um, yeah, can he ever yeah. stand? Or do you know? And then they ask me all these questions. And the hardest thing for me to do um, is to redirect them to Charlie because mm. I want to make the situation easier for him. Mm-hmm. And answer their questions, and you know his receptive language, what he under- understands is above average, so he understands okay. oh, everything else, yeah, I see. yeah. Okay.
0: okay, and so
2: I want to make it my instinct is to make it easier for him and answer, but as if I step away a little bit and I think, well, what's better for Charlie, mm-hmm. it would be to slow the whole interaction down and let him tell them let him use his voice however he wants to whether it's through gestures or his ipad or his, you know his speaking device mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. or uh, we we do a q a thing where i will hold up both my hands and i say you know charlie do you want this book or this book and he'll touch which hand he wants or like oh yeah i love that so we it's like this it's fun it kind of looks like a fast like game of h- hot hands <laughs> uh, anyway. yeah, awesome. Awesome. but so we can get to answers that way too and so the thing that i always have to remind myself is that we have to slow down time for charlie mm. and honestly if if I, if i'm you know you were to ask anyone in the world i think we need to slow down time for all of us exactly. like i think we're all moving too fast right We're all already thinking about the next thing we want to say while someone is still answering Mm -hmm. the previous thing. We're not always listening to each other. Mm. And I think the thing that Charlie has taught me and that I work on, because it's not like I've learned this lesson and I can check that box off, Mm -hmm. but I'm working on it, is that I need to slow down and I need to also model how to slow down for the people that interact with him. And for him, so that right. when we have these situations, he uses his voice in his own time,
0: mm-hmm. and
2: when we walk away, it was an interaction between Charlie and these children, not me and these children, or anybody, right. Charlie and this lady at church, or yeah. you know, whoever it is, the important thing is that it involves Charlie. Mm hmm. Yeah. What a gift
1: to be able to even practically see just the importance of slowing down.
2: Mm-hmm. Right. And of listening. Yeah.
1: I think that's really I loved how you made that point, because I think it's so true, especially in the world today with everything going on of, you know, it's not who gets to talk first. <laughs> right. It's the importance yes. of really, you know, listening, mis- listening more than speaking sometimes. Yeah. Too.
0: Yeah. So Jamie, we're going to move to our last quote. And um, when it, this is from page 238. And, and listeners, I mean, podcast family, you, you ha- the Amazon previews not going to be enough. <laughs> you, need, you need to get the book. Yes, exactly. You need to get the book. And, and here's why. Just listen to this last quote. Go now and live in laughter and exuberance for the future that is yours in Christ. Hug your kids and help them see this promise too. This is your calling as a parent to show your children that their future is lit with a brilliant, heavenly light.
1: Ugh, I'm like even tearing up. just. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I can hear oh, your voice yeah, yeah. Oh, f-
0: full on, full yeah, on. So yeah. Jamie, in what ways do you feel like you've been able to show Charlie that his future is lit with a brilliant, heavenly light?
2: Oh, see, I have two different answers to this because in a lot of ways... Charlie shows me this and then mm. I just kind of reflect it back at him because right. he, I, I told you before that he is a very happy child and <laughs> he has made me a, a an appreciator of the lighter moments in life. Mm. He has mm-hmm. made me someone who gathers those up like flowers and like holds them close because It was so hard for so long and there are going to be hard things ahead too. That's just life. But he's taught me to stop and pay attention to when it's really good and just lean into that and remember that this is just a teensy glimpse of what it's going to be like in heaven. Like Mm, this is this moment. Whatever it is, whether it's literally – he thinks it's funny when I hurt myself. So, like, I dropped his wheelchair once on my toe, and I was just dying. Like, it oh, was just was, like – Oh, my goodness. I was yeah. writhing in yeah, pain. It's I like, bet. imagine hitting your funny bone, but, like, it lasts forever. So, oh, I was, like, making all these noises, and he laughed so hard. <laughs> I mean, he had, like, snot and tears. Oh, and that's was, incredible. It was so – Funny like by the end of it I was la- I was dying laughing because right? it hurt so much and then he thought it was so entertaining that I could not end it without laughing with him because yeah. it was so funny <laughs> to watch him laugh and so right. it's just such a good mirror of like how God is going to turn all of our pain into laughter mm. and hope when we Amen. get to heaven and I think that is how we show our kids is in those moments of goodness we stop and and we have that conversation you know of this it's going to be this guys but times a million can you imagine right. yeah. that feeling where you're not working towards anything anymore you are living in perfect contentment and enjoyment of how you were made mm-hmm. and your heavenly father and this place that we're in like i just I think it's necessary that we stop and let ourselves feel that and see it when God sends it our way.
1: Yeah, yeah. And take that moment to really um, enter into that as well. Yeah. Yeah. And so, Jamie, I loved how um, during our interview, you've been talking about um, how you felt before. And, you know, the things that you were scared of or whatnot and the journey um, that you and Jody have been through uh, mm-hmm. receiving that diagnosis, having Charlie born 30 at 30 weeks and going through, you know, all the medical processes and things. Uh, and then giving us the uh, picture now and saying that you couldn't even have pictured, <laughs> I mm-hmm. guess, or hypothesized or whatnot, yeah. what life would be like now versus before. Um, so. For our last question is for those of us, of our podcast family that are just beginning their special needs, uh, their journey as special needs parents, perhaps they, you know, recently got a diagnosis that they weren't expecting. What words of encouragement would you want them to to hear and to remember and to take to heart?
2: Oh gosh, there's so many. Um, the first thing I would say is, know that you don't have to be alone as you walk this path. Um, I think it took me a lot of years to figure out that I didn't have to fight this by myself, mm-hmm. like, or or all on my own. Like, I could, it didn't just have to be our insular family. Like, we, I needed people. Like, I needed friends, and I needed... I needed support outside of this little circle and don't be afraid to ask for it when you need it. And don't be afraid to keep asking. It's like, I think parents of special needs kids, it's like, we need so much that there's this fear that we we're going to push people too far with our Mm -hmm. needs. And the thing that I have been continually surprised by is that it hasn't happened yet. I mean, you know, it has not happened. What? What it does is it gives people an opportunity to step in and lean in and live communally with you Mm -hmm. and your family. And Mm -hmm. I would say, don't be afraid to ask for what you need and keep asking and don't feel bad about it because that's how we're supposed to live. We're not supposed to live our own little individual lives in our bubbles and and give off the vibe of self sufficiency. It's just not healthy. And it might feel like success, but it's not. That's not how we were created. And so I would say, ask for help. And also going back to, to what I said before, know that whatever moment you're in is not forever because Hmm. there's so many hard moments. Um, and there's so many good moments and those hard moments are not going to last forever. There is an end, there is a pause, there is a change in the tides. And if you can remember that while you're feeling what you're feeling. It's just a teensy bit of grounding to keep you going. Wow,
0: what grit, what tenacity, right? What resilience! Not only having a son with cerebral palsy and all that she talked about, but then having twins as well, and and writing multiple books too. I know and, who, I who has mean, the time. <laughs> goodness. <laughs> There's just so much wisdom coming out of Jamie, so we really do hope that you pick up a copy of her newest book, Eat, Sleep, Save the World, to experience an extra dose of encouragement, even more so than what you might have experienced on this podcast.
1: So to find out more about Jamie, you can go to her website, that's jamie-sumner.com, or you can check out our show notes, which is inbetween.org slash episode 92.
0: All right. Well, next week, we will be back with an episode on...
1: We're breaking up with our phones.
0: Breaking up with our phones. All right. You're not going to want to miss that. We'll catch you next time. This episode is brought to you in part by the Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries podcast. Do you want to grow in your influence? Bao's episodes feature tips for leaders of any kind, from mentoring one woman to leading a ministry. Browse Bows podcast at beyondordinarywomen.org.